0: Welcome back, everybody. at CFB Winning Edge brought to you by Campus2Canton. Remember, follow Campus2Canton on the Twitter at Campus2Canton. I'm your host, Scott Bogman. Follow me on the Twitter at Bogman Sports. We're joined, as always, by the man, the myth, the legend. He makes it all happen in CFB Winning Edge. Nicholas Ian Allen. Follow him on the Twitter at CFB Winning Edge. And Xavier Trish at Xavier underscore Trish T-R-I-C-H-E on the Twitter machine. Nick, what is going on? How did Week 5 treat you? Well, I've, I'm
1: I'm thrown off a little bit. We're recording, uh, what two, three early. hours early, or even yeah. more than that. I, yeah, but uh, so I'm I'm I was thrown off a little on my schedule this week. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. Uh, <laughs> getting it getting to it a little early. But uh, as for last week, uh, you know, numbers wise, it was it was really interesting to me. I wrote a little bit about it, uh, like as soon as all the the games were final in the discord because i always as i have done you know since we started uh do a little uh, you know keep track of our our record against the spread and and the last couple of years i've started keeping track of things like uh, uh absolute error you know how far we are from the uh final result in our projections and you know things started off really really well for us from a record perspective uh, all season they've been pretty good for absolute error um, but the last couple of weeks the the record hasn't quite been there but the absolute error has been better you know I think we've had our two best weeks back to back last week was maybe the best we've ever had like I don't think we've ever posted uh, team strength absolute error in the single digits mm-hmm. um, usually like, 11 is really really good last year uh we had a we had a winning season and our uh absolute error for the the year was 12.4 so um you know not uh, that that number might not mean anything to anybody but uh if we have a week in the tens traditionally it's been very very good and we've had we had three of those coming in the last week and Wow. In week 5 we had a 9.9 which I've never ever uh, I've never even been close to that for a full week. Um but our against the spread record was 50-50. So
0: <laughs> it, it
1: was like our our best week ever from uh you know how close could we get to that actual final score projection and You
0: know, we're right at fifty percent. So I I think you Uh, just described gambling to everyone. Like, well, but even you have all the edges here. (laughs) uh, But when you put your money up in the air, it's still kind of coin flippy. So So. in the in the grand
1: scheme, I mean, you know, one way of looking at it is you are what your record says you are. You are right. But I I do have to say it was an encouraging week uh, to have that just incredible performance on the the absolute error so um i've said it the last couple of weeks it's been sort of a trust the process uh period because the the underlying numbers are very very good um i mean we i said last year we were at 12.4 absolute air uh, and we were at 52.2 percent for the year which was you know solid not our best year but but a pretty solid year um this year we're at 11.3 so a full point you know better uh and our record is under five hundred right now, so um hopefully you know those absolute error numbers continue to uh, be very very good and and uh you know record hopefully will follow um but it was it was a very interesting week as I was more encouraged than
0: usual and definitely more encouraged than I normally would be for a fifty percent week Xavier, when you look at week five. What what stood out to you? Well,
2: first and foremost, uh, I'd like to make an apology to, to Auburn University. Uh, I was wrong. Uh, you guys definitely have you know played a lot better, in my opinion, than what I you know previously expected. Um, on the flip side of that, a University of Florida team decided to show up and give up over three hundred yards rushing to Kentucky. Devin Leary threw it nine times. I know I came into the week talking about which transfer quarterback was going to play better. Uh, if you looked at both stat lines and told me that was going to be how the game finished, I would have told you 4-1 to in the landslide. Uh, but they didn't have to throw the football at all. <laughs> and I can't blame them. Ray Davis was amazing. Uh, he did everything he wanted to do and then some. Uh, Utah's luck finally came to an end. We We talked about it on the podcast that Oregon State was – that Utah playing without Cam Rising at some point was going to come home to roost, and Oregon State finally did what everybody, you know, everybody before them could not. They forced, you know, that offense to be better in the passing game than it had been all year, um, and they and they handled their possessions well. They did what they wanted to do against that defense in the run game. It was, it was, it was a, a dominant performance from Oregon State. I know the scoreline doesn't necessarily say it with the 21 to seven, but that game didn't really ever feel like. Utah was going to have a chance um, in that ball game from like drive number one. Uh, shout out to Texas; um, they handled business. It was a little shaky there for like a quarter and a half, uh, but remembered who, that they were a top three team in the country um, and finished that game. And uh, Arizona, I just want to give you a quick quick plot. I know you lost the game in particular, uh, but played a lot better than what I expected against Washington this past week. Obviously, Michael Pinnock still got his numbers, uh, but only losing that game by seven. Uh, they 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 they. They are a team that I really feel like, unfortunately for them, the rest of the conference is just elite this year. Uh, but at three and two so far this year, I'm pleasantly supl- uh, surprised from what I'm seeing from the Wildcats over there. And the way that they played against Washington this weekend kind of adds to that. Um, lastly, but not least, great game. Notre Dame, Duke, I think probably my favorite game of the weekend. Um once again, Notre Dame leaving it to the absolute end of a game to to either put it away or or you know or, or lose the game. Uh, Sam Hartman comes through in the biggest moments. Uh, Riley Leonard is everything I thought he was as advertised from the from the earlier game against Clemson. Uh, but seeing him do it once again and having to try to carry that team on its back, especially in the run game, uh, was impressive. But once again, and I'm going to continue to say this, Notre Dame continues to run their table as far as their schedule. This is going to be a team that is going to be sitting right there waiting for the college football playoff to, to begin.
0: It's, uh, it keeps getting more and more interesting as the weeks go on. So let's dive in to week six here. Nick, we start with Ohio State hosting Maryland. The line here is Ohio State minus 19 and a half. 58 is the total. But I know from looking earlier, cash uh, and tickets are, are all over Maryland in this game. I know Maryland can be a thorn in the side of anyone. I mean, as a Texas fan, I know about Maryland, of course, but uh, your thoughts on this game, can Ohio state beat this team by, uh, you know, this looks like you need three touchdowns, a three uh, touchdown margin to kind of feel safe about this. Uh, are we going to get that from Ohio state in this game? Do you think?
1: Um. Well, so as far as our numbers go, uh, two of our three projection models and and the ones that I trust a little bit more uh, than the third are our team strength model, which is our official model. This is your first time with us. It's the one that all of our numbers go into. Uh, And our prism model, which is our stats only model. Um, Both of those have Ohio State as more than a two touchdown favorite, uh, but less than the three scores that Uh, the oddsmakers had at least officially as we're recording and and when we release these numbers uh, on the Campus Canton Discord and the C2C winning edge here on Tuesday evening uh, or midday, I should say. Um, uh, The talent edge model is is right there, a little bit higher even than the 19 and a half. Um, So, you know, on paper, Ohio State is arguably the most talented team in the country. I mean, the way that we calculate things. They are, uh, number one in overall roster strength. They are number two in offensive roster strength, number one in defensive roster strength. Um, it's just, you know, Ohio state has elite, uh, recruiting ratings, you know, top three, top five at, at most every position, uh, none outside the top 11. If you're just looking at average two, four, seven rating, um, there's just a, you know, no holes, on the roster and Marvin Harrison junior uh's been a little bit banged up but got the week off last week. Everything sounds like he is gonna be uh good to go. It seems like that defense is is in pretty good health um for the most part. So Ohio State should be you know pretty close to one hundred percent. They are a number one team in our power rankings. They've been playing uh you know pretty solid on, on both sides of the ball, top ten defensively, which is um, you know, coming into the season, seemed like the the biggest uh, potential hurdle, other than maybe some questions on the offensive line, which has actually been grading out pretty well, close to a top twenty-five unit. Um, and then offensively, you know, they're top-five teams. So there's still room to improve with Kyle McCord still kind of settling into the role as starter, but they're deep at running back. They've got, you know, arguably the best wide receiver core in the country. Certainly. Uh, one of the top groups with Washington, of course, in, in the conversation. Uh, but this Ohio State team has got the potential to be you know, a national championship level team. Maryland, uh, kind of under the radar, is undefeated, has moved into the top 25 in our power ratings, and has been playing like a top 25 team. They're 21st in overall Team performance—they are 17th in offensive team performance, uh, top 40 defensively. They've struggled a little bit against the run. They're ranked 72nd, or excuse me, 77th in rushing team performance on the defensive side. But they're uh, very close to a top 25 pass defense the way that we uh, calculate that. And, and a lot of the individual statistics, you know, really line up as as them being solid on both sides of the ball um you know uh, top 10 in points per game against fps opponents top 10 in yards per play uh, they're 11th in points per drive um on the offensive side of the ball they're top uh, excuse me top 5 in points per drive allowed which uh is a bit of a surprise but this Maryland team you know not always the uh most exciting not always the most dominant even though the post game win expectancy numbers are are really pretty solid um, from here on, or, or you know, to this point in the season, the strength of schedule not particularly high. Um, you know, the best team that they've played so far is Michigan State, <laughs> Indiana. Um, so we will find out really quick uh, if this Maryland team is for real or if you know they've they've just uh, sort of beat up a, a pretty weak schedule. To this point, um, Ohio State, you know, don't feel like we have seen them play up to the level of their talent just yet. And with all, you know, having the the big win against Notre Dame, finding a way to win at the very end, uh, having a week off to sort of, you know, reset to, to get into the uh, meat of their Big Ten schedule uh, probably you know, gives them a, a little bit of a lift. Um, it would not shock me if, like a lot of years, this Ohio State team um, really just picks up ahead of steam. The offense takes another step forward and they win this game, you know, 56 to 10 or something like that. Um, but it also wouldn't shock me if this Ohio State team, which is, you know, not, like I said, put its best uh, performance on the field quite yet, uh, lets Maryland hang around. Let's a, a less talented team and a less proven team. Uh, you could argue uh, just sort of hang around and, and keep this game close in the fourth quarter, though. I do expect Ohio state to win by double digits, um, but it'll, it'll be a real test. I think for both teams.
0: Xavier, when you look at this game, do you think, Oh, I mean, we know where Lou Holtz would go, right? He's going to take Maryland, but uh, what do you, what do you think in this game? Do you think Ohio state is going to put a complete game together and, Win by three touchdowns, or are they going to make this a little hard on themselves and let Maryland hang around and make this a game? This is on Ohio State's defense. Like, this whole game is going to
2: have to be controlled by Ohio State's defense for them to have a genuine chance of winning. I think if Ohio State gets pressure on Talia, we know is great when he has time to dissect the defense. Um, But we also understand that he struggles a ton when, you know, as a shorter, as a smaller QB, when you can get some hits on him. Right. Starts getting happy feet. The throws start getting wayward and you're able to get, you know, you're able to get some of those, um, you know, some timely turnovers for them. I genuinely think Ohio State is going to have to battle in this one. This will be the probably the best offense that they've played all year. Um, I I don't think that's a stretch whatsoever. And I think. If they get down by, you know, two scores early, I'm really intrigued to see how they play in this game because so far that the, so far this year they have kind of just leaned on they off on their defense, right? Even in the uh, Notre Dame win, right? They win the game, 17-14, but once again, your defense holds a team under three scores that should give anybody a chance to win, right? So, I believe in that defense, and that defense hasn't shown me any, anything right now that will suggest that they can't. Control Maryland um, at the line of scrimmage and through the air. But I'm intrigued if Maryland does, whether that be by you know by trick play or you know by penalty, gets 10 or 14 on the board really early in that game. Can Ohio does Ohio State have the juice at the quarterback position? We know about the skill players. We know about Ibuka. We know about uh Julian Fleming. Obviously, there's Marvin Harrison Jr., Trevion Henderson, we know about all those guys, but do they have the juice at QB? to come back from down 14 or down, you know, down two possessions essentially, right? Um, against a team whose offense at, at points this year has been humming. I mean, if anybody's been able to just sit there and watch Maryland offensively, they are a team that right now is probably next to Michigan, the best offense in the Big Ten, at least, you know, numbers-wise. Um, they've, they, they've just been really good. And I think I would be – this is this is a game a show this is definitely a show me game for Ohio State. It, it, if you're going to be a top five team in the country, you've got to be able to battle against teams that, at least on the surface, this isn't a great matchup for them. They don't have an offense that can score with them. They don't have, um, but they don't, but they do have a defense that I think can calm them down a bit. So I'm going to lean Ohio State here. I don't. I want to say upset. I really do. But I'm just not sure Maryland's played, like Nick said, Maryland's played a schedule that gives me the confidence that they're just going to go out there and handle business against Ohio State, right? Um, But, I mean, look, I will say this, and I don't like to be that person, but they put up 44 against Indiana. Ohio State only put up 23. So if that's any indication of what might happen on Saturday, it's going to be a really good game. I'm going to lean Ohio State. I love how that defense has played, especially how that front four has played at times this year when they really needed them to. Give me Ohio State and the Buckeyes, but I would not be surprised if upset alert was all over my screen on Saturday when it comes to uh, this Maryland team.
0: Man. Okay. Uh, going to be an interesting game nice there. Rights, man. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, Ohio State is one of the few teams in the country where it's like if they get rolling downhill and they're clicking, no one yep. can beat them. They're going to beat any spread. doesn't matter. Uh, so, but, you know, They have looked beatable this year as well. So interesting game for sure. LSU on the road at Missouri here in an SEC matchup. LSU is a six and a half point road favorite. 63 and a half is the total in this game. Nick, I think every single person I've heard and the first bet that I knew I was writing up this week is going to be the over in this game because uh lsu scores so fast and jane daniels is having such a good year and i've been on the fence you know look i was on the fence before last year about Penix a little bit too so i have been a little probably too harsh on some qbs uh in the past but daniels looks good but i think missouri because i've watched a bunch of them i feel like they can score on anybody. Uh, Brady cook has been great. Luther burden is a superstar. Uh, The rest of the receiving core is pretty solid here and they let up some points too. Missouri does. So I think this is going to be a back and forth high scoring blow for blow type of game. How do you see this one playing out?
1: Uh, Well, so our, our projected uh, total, which I, in my, my long rambling, uh thing earlier about my numbers uh about about our performance uh to date where i didn't even touch on any of the games which uh was probably a little bit of (laughs) oversight on on uh my part uh i failed also to discuss our totals uh and part of that is because the you know absolute error numbers on on totals haven't actually been particularly good um they've been a little worse this year than they were last year uh but we are currently at 56 percent on uh
0: our our total projections this year which is to, to describe gambling right it's you have all your edges and they're all working out great and you're still 50 50 and then you're like our numbers aren't as good on this number, but our results are better. Yeah. I mean that is gambling to a T. So uh,
1: you know, I I, I somewhat sheepish sheepishly I guess uh, bring that up that we're currently on pace record wise for our best year ever on on over and unders. But um, do I trust it? Eh, not necessarily. The underlying numbers aren't quite as good. All that to say. Uh, we are on the under, uh, you mentioned. Uh, running to to bet the over. Um, our projection is 59.85. The official total when we released these was uh, 63 and a half. Um, uh, so you know, we'll we'll see, but I definitely agree that the you know, what we can expect, what we have seen thus far has been, uh, I mean, LSU one of the one of the best most impressive offenses in the country i mean just watching it you know uh, you can see it uh jaden daniels has i think played really really well and is a weapon uh you know obviously he's, he's long been known as a dynamic runner and i think he still uh certainly has that ability but the you know downfield Passing attack, you know, finding guys like Malik Neighbors and Brian Thomas, who kind of out of nowhere is just exploded into a you know all he does is te- uh, catch touchdowns kind of guy.
0: Chris Carter, um,
1: you know the the LSU offense numbers wise, I mean they're third in offensive team performance. They are twelfth passing, uh, third rushing. They are fifth in yards per play against FBS opponents. They're twelfth in points per drive, seventh in yards per pass attempt with over ten and a quarter, which is. Uh, elite. Um, They are 55.5% success rate uh, when you filter out garbage time, which is top five in the country. They are top five in predicted points added per play, according to uh, collegefootballdata.com. So this is an elite LSU offense. Um, They just have struggled defensively. Uh, I mean, basically they are at the other extreme end in, in all Defensive numbers, they're 116th in defensive team performance overall, 125th against the pass, 117th against the run. We've seen elite play from certain players, and Kai Wingo uh, was a dominant performer in in, uh, that week one game against Florida State when Mason Smith was out. We've seen Mason Smith dominate before. Um, Harold Perkins coming into the year, a lot of people call him the, the best defensive player in the country. Um, you know, Omar Spates has, has, uh, been a very, very productive linebacker transferred in from Oregon state. Of course, you know, Smith missed week one Perkins, uh, last week was a little bit banged up. Uh, Spates has missed time this year. They've had a lot of injury and turnover in the secondary, uh, including, uh, just a a really, really sad situation. Greg Brooks dealing with a, a brain tumor and he has been out, uh, understandably, but, you know, LSU defensively is just just really, really struggling, and we saw it last week against Ole Miss, and and that elite LSU offense just wasn't able to keep up because the, the defense couldn't quite, you know, find a way to uh, get off the field. Missouri has been quite good. They've been much better on offense than I expected. Um, You know, coming into the season and and really for the entire Eli Drinkwitz era, um, they've been a, you know, outside the top 50 type offense as far as our team performance numbers go. Um, They are currently 30th overall in team performance, including top 30 passing, which I certainly didn't expect. Obviously, a new Luther Burden has all the potential in the world, um, but, uh, you know, even as a a true freshman which probably uh expectations might have been a little too high but he kind of disappointed a little bit in in the eyes of of some as far as his level of production as a true freshman um and then brady cook you know going into fall camp we didn't even know if he was going to be the starter at quarterback um they added theo weiss uh, a very very talented wide receiver transfer from oklahoma but he hadn't you know, really been uh, a big time playmaker in, in a while. Um, there are some injuries that they've dealt with at the wide receiver position. Uh, they were relying on a couple of transfers on the offensive line. They're just, there were a lot of questions coming into the year, but they pretty much answered them. The, the running numbers, rushing numbers are not quite as good as we expected because Cody Schrader had a really solid season last year. He and Nathaniel Pete, I think still have the potential to be a very, very good one, two combo. Um, but they're 81st right now in rushing team performance on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, but the defense has been uh, solid. I uh, thought coming into the year, they had a chance to be a top you know, 20 type defense. Uh, last year, they uh, finished the season at number 20 in team performance, was was a giant step forward from back-to-back double-digit, or excuse me, triple-digit seasons where they were uh, 101st in 2020, 104th in, in 2021. Uh, this year, they're 40th, including top 20 against the run right outside the top 50 against the pass. So um, this should be a pretty good test for LSU. I, I do think that the Missouri defense um, has the potential to, to be even better than it's been so far this year, but somewhat similarly to what I said about uh, Maryland, you know, yeah, the Mizzou beat Kansas state. They, they found a way with a 60yard last second field goal after a very silly penalty. Uh, you know made some overcame some very very silly mistakes. but other than that, you know uh, their schedule's been uh, not not the toughest. Um, you know Middle Tennessee is struggling. Memphis had a good win last week, but uh, you know not not a, uh, the Memphis teams of old. They go to Vanderbilt and win great. Um, maybe South Dakota, you know, coming off a win over uh, North Dakota State this past week. Uh, that that closer than expected loss, or excuse me, win in, in week one, maybe looks a little more impressive than it did at the time. But uh, this Missouri team, you know, uh, still, I haven't made up my mind yet that, that this team is uh, really all that good. Um, okay. You know, lo- coming into the season, and, and if I could remember, I, I, it, it seems like if I, if we were to go back and listen to the SEC preview, we probably discussed a path to Mizzou starting the season five and zero. It didn't look all that you know uh, impossible, or and and probably expected that they would be favored in if not all those games, uh, four of them. Um, so you know, have we really learned all that much about Missouri yet? Yeah, I, I don't I don't know um this game is at home i do think that of course is is uh going to be very very important um this lsu team i feel like we've discussed every week how our numbers have been lower than just about everybody on lsu that's worked out for us twice so far this season uh but when lsu is at its best like they were you know against mississippi state and and uh, really, I guess that's the that's the main one because they kind of struggled to put Arkansas away, and then Grambling was an FCS opponent uh, It was just out, you know, overmatched. But um, it, it this this still seems like a game that LSU should win, and they should probably be, you know, a, a touchdown favorite or so. Our numbers have this much much closer. All three of our projections uh, are within a field goal. I personally uh, am not super optimistic. This this kind of seems like a spot where LSU, you know, does on paper look like uh, a more talented team, uh, position by position. If you just look at the raw numbers, um, it feels like a game that LSU could and and you know maybe should, if they're the LSU team we thought was going to compete in the West and and you know. A top five preseason team you would expect this would be a, a game that they would win by double digits and and they'll be able to to handle missouri without too much difficulty um but i don't know maybe this uh, maybe this missouri team's better than we thought i i don't hundred percent know yet if if they truly are um but this game you know i feel like we we will definitely learn uh we'll definitely learn a lot about Missouri. Uh, and I think we do have an opportunity to learn, you know, if this LSU team takes care of business, like you expected, maybe they, they should uh, looking at this game in the preseason, then, you know, we'll, we'll have an opportunity to learn a little about LSU as well.
0: Xavier, what what do you think here? Are you kind of on the fence about Missouri and their performance? Like Nick kind of seems to be, or uh, do you feel like this is going to be a scoring slug fest kind of like I see it, or do you think maybe LSU is going to outmatch Missouri because while Missouri has looked impressive, like Nick said, haven't really beat a really good team yet?
2: I think realistically that this Missouri team should be able to compete with LSU on Saturday. Um, LSU's defense has given me absolutely no faith in them after last week. Um, I thought that last week's game in particular, it was right in their hands, right? At Ole Miss coming off of a tough loss to Alabama. They were going to let Alabama beat them twice, you know, was the, was the thought in my head. And they just made it easy. They just made it easy. It wasn't even one of those situations where I thought that Ole Miss necessarily schemed LSU off the field. It was poor tackling, gaps for days, blown coverages, blown assignments. And Jackson Dart was moving the field like, you know, Tennessee Payne Manning. I was like, all right, what what's going on, guys? Like there's there, there's more to this than just you guys didn't come to play this afternoon um so honestly i missouri scheme eli drinkowitz and those guys have the talent especially on the outside to get it done the quarterback play once again i will say is, is a, a somewhat of a question mark not a not a huge question mark but definitely one where i expect him to you know you know sometimes i i go okay he's looking really good and other times i'm just like okay you're you're an above average to good quarterback at times um I wouldn't put him in the great in elite category just right now. Missouri's defense is where I go. Is there more here? Um, against Kansas State and Memphis, I wasn't impressed. Once again, poor tackling, not the greatest game from the defense in both sides. Last week, I was a little bit better. They were a little bit better. Um, I thought that they kind of hunkered down there um, in, in the second and third quarter. Obviously, gave up 14 in the first. or sorry, 14 in the fourth. But I thought they were better last week than they have been in the previous weeks against an SEC opponent. I know Vanderbilt is so, you know, considered Vanderbilt, but Vanderbilt's offense has been – their offense has been pretty good this year. Their defense is – their defense. But they put up 28 against Kentucky, more than what Florida could say, yeah, you know, in, in, in previous games. So I, I do think that their defense there's, – there's a level that their defense can go. And to Nick's credit, I'm just not sure LSU – defense has played a full 60 minutes this week this year like and i'm concerned that they're not going to again obviously they played an excellent first half against fsu Or sorry a, a excellent first half against fsu didn't happen in the second half uh you know this past game they just didn't play football at all they kind of were just there um they might as well have been throwing routes on air um and in the mississippi state game i think their offense mm-hmm. kind of buried them quick enough to where the defense didn't really have to do much um in that second half and you look at the arkansas game once again just not existent for all but the first, you know, all but the first quarter. Um, So I'm just wondering where this LSU defense finds itself in this week. I think the Missouri defense is kind of moving in the right direction. So give me Missouri here in the upset. Um, I I think Missouri can handle business here. That defense for me, like I said, concerns me. I know I'm calling it an upset. I know Missouri is the undefeated team, but I think if you told me at the beginning of the year that Missouri would be LSU, people would call it an upset. So don't kill me on Twitter for that one. Uh, So yeah, Missouri... Gets the dub here. Um, it's also at home, and if you know Missouri has one of the better um, or underrated uh, home advantages, home field advantages in college football, and definitely in the SEC. Uh, so obviously, you saw what happened last year when the you know the eventual national championship champion went up there. It, it got it got hairy for for you know three and a half quarters. So. Give me Missouri here to win the game, and uh, if you, if LSU loses this one, I just really don't know where you go from here as far as uh, the the outlook for your season because I think it, you know at the beginning of the year, and I could be wrong. In our previews, I'm pretty sure we had them in the top two or three in the SEC West and called them a possible SEC, uh, you know, SEC
0: championship contender, and they'd be long away from that being at three and three. I, um, if anyone calls you out for saying that Missouri. Beating LSU is not an upset. I would like to know about it because you are the only <laughs> person I have heard say that they think that Missouri can beat and and will beat uh, LSU. So uh, I just okay. like the over in this game. I mean, I think <laughs> I think what you guys described is you know a Missouri team that hasn't stopped a lot of people yet, and LSU plays a little as laz- uh, lackadaisical on defense on occasion. So. Uh, yeah, I think nothing has changed my mind here. I'm still going to be on the over in this game. This one, I'm kind of like in the under Washington State at UCLA. UCLA is a three and a half point home favorite here. 59 and a half is a total in this game. I know Washington State has put up a lot of points, but we know that uh, Utah came in, I believe was Utah in the top 10 in defensive strength um, on your your uh, rankings here, Nick, coming into the season, because. I, I know their defense is strong. They have a couple all-conference players on their lat to obviously, you know, an NFL prospect as well. So uh, I like UCLA's defense. Um, the game against Utah is 14-7. to Now, Utah really dictates pace, so we don't have them in this game. But more is kind of a question in, in terms of putting points up on the board, and that defense is really good for UCLA. I think that kind of combines to me liking the under here. Uh, is there a play you like in this game, Nick? Uh, well, so to, to answer your
1: question, uh, UCLA is top 10 in, in defensive, ro- uh, roster strength. Um, that seemed like potentially a scenario. Occasionally we'll have a team that recruits really, really well, but doesn't play up to that level somewhat consistently. And, and UCLA was definitely, uh, has been that team and really the whole, uh, Chip Kelly era. Uh, they were 111th in defensive team performance last season. Uh, they have been 62nd or worse uh, every year uh, under Chip Kelly. So, you know, even with that top 10 roster strength, you know, expectations uh, weren't all that high, but they have absolutely turned it around. Um, so far this year, they actually rank number one in defensive team performance. Uh, they are top five against the run, top 15, top 15 against the pass, but, um, somewhat again, similar to, to teams that we have, uh, discussed earlier. You look at the teams that UCLA has played and how believable are those defensive numbers? Uh, you know, this is not the same coastal Carolina team, certainly not on the offensive side of the ball, uh, San Diego state, you know, struggled uh, year after year on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, North Carolina Central, good FCS team, but still an FCS team. Uh, and then Utah, who is, you know, uh, playing second and third string quarterbacks and, and second and third string running backs, doesn't have its best, uh, you know, tied in. You could argue best receiver in Brent Keithy. Um, so how how good is this UCLA defense, uh, really, because they have not been tested by a team, um, you could argue, as talented as Washington State. Washington State's one of those teams that, you know, traditionally doesn't uh, rank all that high in things like roster strength. Um, but certainly, you know, they have they have been a very explosive offense this year and a very, very good offense uh, for the most part. A lot of the underlying numbers actually don't um, – line up quite as well as, you know, the, the scoring. They are top 10 in the country in points per game against FCS opponents. Uh, they are top 15 in points per drive, pass uh, yards per pass attempt, uh, and success rate. They do have an over 50% success rate. But um, as far as a lot of the efficiency numbers, they're lacking just a little bit. They're 34th in overall team performance on the offensive side of the ball, top 25 passing, and Cam Ward is uh, really off to an excellent, start this year, uh, Lincoln Victor at wide receiver uh, really emerged in the opening weeks as, uh, the go-to wide out. Unfortunately, he suffered an injury, uh, in his last time out, I do not believe is expected to play in this game. Uh, but Kyle Williams and Josh Kelly have stepped up. Um, you know, that Washington state's also without, Uh, who a lot of people, myself included, expected to be their number one target this year in D.T. Sheffield, who uh, was a junior college transfer coming in, started a little early in the season, but left the team a couple of weeks ago. So um, there are some questions for Washington State. They've dealt with some injuries on the offensive line, uh, you know, in fall camp certainly, but uh, through the season as well. But, you know, with Cam Ward, uh, with a healthy Nikia Watson, who he's been a little bit banged up so far this year, hopefully the the uh, you know off week, uh, even though he hasn't missed time really, um, hopefully he'll be back to to full strength. You know Williams and Kelly and Ward uh, will keep that passing attack, uh, you know, operating at a high level. Carlos Hernandez, true freshman, getting some playing time at wide receiver as well. But certainly this Washington State offense is going to be. Uh, The biggest test for what at least appears right now to be a a much, much improved uh, UCLA defense, UCLA on offense, they're top 40 in our team performance numbers across the board. They're between 30 and 35 uh, running and passing Um, the, the kind of the opposite of uh, Washington state. A lot of the individual statistics are a little bit better than the actual points on the scoreboard, they're 32nd in yards per play, 31st in yards per pass attempt, 44th in EPA per play or PPA per play, uh, but they're 82nd in scoring against FCS uh, FBS opponents. Uh, Dante Moore, has, at times, has, has played a little like a true freshman at quarterback. Um, the running back situation—they're—they're uh, they're splitting time. So you know, Carson Steele, TJ Harden, uh, other guys lower down on the, the depth chart. Um, Nobody has really taken over and and become sort of a, a, you know, every down bell cow type running back. They haven't needed anybody to, um, but we've seen, you know, Jay Michael servant make some plays. Uh, We've seen some good games from guys like Logan Loya and Josiah Norwood this year, somewhat unexpectedly at wide receiver Uh, Washington state defensively, you know, they're, they're, I think a pretty even matchup. Uh, against the, the UCLA offense, they are solid, top fifty in team performance, top forty against the pass, seventy first currently against the run. They've got two very very good uh, edge defenders, pass rushers, and Ron Stone Jr. Brendan Jackson. Uh, the linebacker core, um, you know, has relied on a lot of new faces, but they seem to be playing decently well. The veteran secondary uh, has had some moments so far this year, but um, you know, as far as as throw everything into our team strength numbers and, and it spits out that projected uh, point spread, I was a little surprised at how high we are on UCLA. Uh, we have had some success so far this season. You know, we've tracked all three agree in our three different models uh, for years. Uh, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not as good. But one thing that I've started to pay closer and closer attention to each week are when uh, all three of our models agree on a favorite, and so far this year, that's been that's been a pretty good scenario for us, and and you know it worked out for us last week again or with uh, Kentucky worked out. Um, really, I think it was four or five last week. One Marshall was one. Uh, I don't know. I, there are a few of them, but um, UCLA is one this year or excuse me this week. Uh, the PRISM model, the stats-only model, is the closest, and it has UCLA favored by nearly six. Uh, the T, uh, Talent Edge model, the talent-only uh, model, has UCLA as a double-digit favorite. It's actually 12 And, a half. and uh, our team strength model is pretty close to, to 10. It's at 9.7. So uh, we've got UCLA expected to win this game 32-23, uh, which would be under, and it would be a, a pretty, uh, you know, relatively uh, uh, impressive, maybe uh cover for UCLA to, to win by more than a, a touchdown against a Washington state team. That's been, uh, you know, they haven't been beaten this year. They're, they're top 25 teams. So um, I, I think that, you know, we will again learn a, a bit about both teams. We'll learn how good that UCLA defense really is specifically. Uh, but at least right now, the way our numbers see UCLA, they're pretty pretty clear that UCLA not only should be favored but uh, probably should be favored by closer to a touchdown than than the three and a half.
0: Xavier, uh, I know you have, you know problems trusting a freshman QB. Yes. And that's what's going on with <laughs> UCLA here. Um, a- after seeing him against Utah, I mean, I, they they lost that game. Is, is that kind of where you're at? You just don't trust the the freshman QB in this game. Being at home helps them in this contest. Um, home cooking always helps.
2: And like I said last week, when you go and play Utah in Utah, it's just it's it's daunting. Always is. Uh, but I do genuinely think he's going to struggle again. In some respects, I think he's made leaps and bounds from that Utah game. So I don't want to just hold him to the Utah game. That would be unfair. But I do think that, you know, there were some things in that game that, that, that I think Washington State can replicate as far as what they can do on the outside. They did some of this against DJ uh, DJU when they played Oregon State a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, really forcing him to beat man, you know, really forcing him to beat a loaded box. Things of that nature um, that I think just, I mean, young quarterbacks are struggling with as a whole. You don't see a ton of that in high school. Not only do you not see a ton of it, you don't see a ton of good men in high school, just, you know, being honest. So I, I think realistically, I like the way that Cam Ward has been playing immensely more than what I like from Dante Moore at this point. I think Cam Ward has been, has really made himself. Has put himself firmly in the in the draft conversation again, um, as, as as you know one of those possible you know sneaky day two. And if he continues the way he's playing, possibly first round draft picks, he has been excellent all year. And really, what I think has he's done really well in this year is he's taken taken care of the football. Um, you know, up, up until this point, he's done you know. Exceedingly well, obviously, through the air. Um, his numbers suggest that I think he's right behind Michael Penix in yards in the conference. Um, Penix and obviously Caleb Williams. Obviously, 13 touchdowns, zero INTs. Um, and obviously, he's doing all of this. And you still have to remember that he's an elite and excellent runner, something that he hasn't really had to do all that much this year, right? Um, but he's still done to a, to, to a clip of you know 41 carries for 109 and three touchdowns as well. So 16 total TDs, no turnover-worthy plays up until this point. I mean, this guy is balling and I don't think that that stops on Saturday. Um, I know the UCLA defense is better than what he's seen all year, but that Oregon state defense, you know, is no slouch whatsoever, especially not up front. Um, He's going to have to be, he's going to still have to protect the football just as good against UCLA, especially on the outside, like Nick alluded to with that secondary, but I really like the way he's going. I love the way that that offense is rolling at the moment. Um, And until it stops, I don't, you know, I don't really foresee them, you know, losing this game. Um, And, Last time I checked, they have a very favorable um, run of games coming up as well. Yeah, they see UCLA, then they've got, you know, Arizona. And then we get to see them, you know, really battle it out against an Oregon team later this month. But I, I, I like Washington State in this ballgame. I think they continue it rolling. Um, I think if they win this week and some things go right, find themselves in the top 10. And we really can, you know, have start having a genuine discussion on, on what this Washington State team could really look like as long as, you know,
0: Cam Moore continues to play like this. All right, let's go over to Alabama on the road against Texas A&M. Bama is a a two-and-a-half-point road favorite at College Station. 49 is the total. It's always going to be a low total at Texas A&M. I feel like uh, 12th man, they get up for this game against Alabama. This is kind of becoming a tradition here. And um, A&M has looked good against Bama in this uh, matchup since they've joined the SEC Uh, in a lot of games, I don't have the record in front of me. I don't see all of the games. I'm sure they've got squashed once or twice here, here and there, but, um, I don't know, Nick, I kind of feel I wouldn't take the Aggies, but I do like them to slow down Bama 49 for these two offenses might be kind of a high number. Uh, what do you think of this game?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, two years ago, Texas A&M beat them, right? And then last year, not a very good Texas A&M team. Uh, It it went down to the wire, and they ended up falling short 24-20. Jalen Milrow, I believe, was the starter uh, in that game. Our our really only extended look at him last season. Um, And Texas A&M, for whatever reason, has played Alabama really, really well the last few years and this year's team, even with the injuries that they've had at the quarterback position, most noticeably, uh, you know, the, the, uh, they've had some personnel issues as well on the offensive line, some injuries. There was a uh, legal issue for a backup offensive lineman this past week that uh, maybe uh, puts his uh, availability in in jeopardy. Uh, They're starting a true freshman at right tackle, Um, but this Texas A&M team has been pretty good. I mean, they, you know, did lose, of course, uh, against Miami. I do think that that Miami team uh, maybe is actually legitimately good. Uh, We we had some questions going into that game uh, about that, but um, Texas A&M is 16th in our power rankings. They are top 30 in offensive team performance. They are top 15 in Both defensive team performance and overall team performance. Uh, The roster strength numbers are very, very good. They're not quite to, you know, Alabama's level. Most years, they are Texas A&M is is uh, twentieth in overall roster strength, twenty fifth on offense, and eleventh on defense. But as we have discussed in the past, you know, this isn't. Uh, a a regular Alabama team or or not the type of Alabama team that we've gotten used to for a very, very long time. Uh, Alabama is 11th in our power rankings. They're 11th also in overall roster strength, which is, I mean, six or seven spots lower than we've ever had an Alabama team, uh, you know, put up there that number in, in roster strength. They are 13th in offensive, roster strength and you know to be quite honest, especially on the offensive side of the ball uh, they haven't even played that well so not only is this a team that is at least again the way that we calculate it noticeably uh, weaker you know from a, a position by position uh, basis when you take their talent numbers and and adjust for experience and career production um, you know they should be a top 15 offense. Uh, They are playing like, uh, you know, outside of the top 35 offense. They are 36th in overall offensive team performance, 50th in passing offensive team performance and 60th in rushing offensive team performance, which I certainly didn't expect. Um, I had some questions about Alabama coming into the season Uh, on the offensive side of the ball. Of course, we all, you know, had questions about the quarterback position. We You know, discuss the offensive coordinator hire of Tommy Reese, Um, but it really seemed like Alabama was going to be able to, if they chose to, uh, just line up and bully the the defense in front of it and run the football as much as they wanted. And that hasn't been the case so far this year. I mean, they're 51st in success rate They're 54th in yards per play. Uh, 37th in points per drive, 37th in points per game, 62nd in uh, PPA per play. So uh, this Alabama offense has struggled. They've made some quarterback, you know, switches here and there. Uh, that seems to have worked itself out, with Milro being the guy now. Um, but, you know, they they haven't quite got the level of production that I expected from Jace McMillan, from Roydell Williams. Uh, you know, the offensive line which has had its own injury issues and was a little bit of a question mark coming into the season. Are they going to be also starting a true freshman uh, at a tackle spot? And it seems that, yes, you know, Caden Proctor is uh, being, you know is, is a starter. Um, grading out as a top 35 unit, but, you know, we're, we're used to, and at least as far as the talent numbers go, as far as raw, you know, talent ratings across the roster, uh, across the offensive line, alabama is the most talented unit in the country so uh ranking 34th in in o-line performance is is a disappointment and, and you know ranking in pretty much all of these uh offensive uh, categories statistically and otherwise are, are a bit of a, a disappointment defensively alabama you know they're they're doing okay they're not dominant but they're top 20 in team performance uh, they are sixth against the pass, top 30 against the run. A lot of the individual stats are uh, inside the top 15. You know, they're, they're a solid defensive unit. They've got, of course, some incredible players on that side of the ball. Uh, but they've also dealt with some injuries. And Deontay Lawson, one of the best uh, linebackers in the country, is going to be out for, for a while. Um, and, you know, this, this Texas A&M team, is an improved team is, uh, getting the matchup at Kyle field. Uh, this is a second straight road game for Alabama and three road games in four weeks. Um, I don't know. It's a little bit of a tricky spot. So, uh, even though I do think Alabama impressed me last week, the way that they bounced back against Mississippi state, um, you know, I, I, I do feel like perhaps, We're underrating Alabama a little bit. This one feels a little like our projection last week, Uh, the LSU at Ole Miss. And I was not confident that, you know, even though we had Ole Miss favored in that game, I didn't feel good about it. We don't quite have Texas A&M favored, but we have Alabama favored by less than half a point Uh, in our overall projections. And all of our projections have uh, Alabama as less than a two and a half point favorite. So have Texas A&M to cover. and. You know quite honestly, i I do believe this is a winnable game for Texas A and m. Uh, my my brain and and just knowing you know Alabama football, my eyes, what they've seen over the last however many years uh, finds it hard to believe that that alabama is is this uh slight of a favorite in our numbers coming into this game feels like they should be you know a touchdown favorite or or you know they definitely seem capable of winning this game by, Double digits or two touchdowns, and that may happen. Um, But you know the way our numbers shake out, and I, I guess you know, just have to say that uh, this Alabama team, the margin is is much closer uh, against Texas A&M. Not only against a team that's played them very, very well the last couple of years, but um, you know the the talent edge is not that big anymore. The the performance on the field, you know, uh, statistically, uh, not not as dominant, not as impressive. So, um, this is, this is a little bit of a trouble spot for Alabama. I I wouldn't be at all, like I said, shocked if they, uh, put together their best performance of the season, go in, win by two touchdowns, but it also wouldn't shock me if Texas A&M pulls this one off.
0: Uh, I mean, Xavier, do you think the Aggies have a shot here to beat Bama or do you think that this is Bama. They got back on track. They've looked decent two weeks in a row now. And here we go with Bama. Or is this another for whatever reason this game is becoming close and gonna be played very tight again? I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of expecting a Max
2: Johnson masterclass again. Like if anybody were prepared for this game and prepared for this moment, it was obviously be the last person who beat Bama wearing a Texas A&M jersey. Um, I just, you know, I really think that he's got an opportunity there to continue, you know, to cement himself as the quarterback right now. I mean, obviously know the Connor's not Connor Wegman's not coming back this year, but there was a lot of Twitter that was, "woe is me? Texas A&M season is over. Um, and we know that this is a guy who's very boisterous about his ability to play football. We all remember the, uh, the Instagram posts after LSU lost a couple of years ago, where he essentially called out the entire fan base. Uh, But I I think this is a guy who can, who can get it done. I mean, he looked really comfortable last week, insanely comfortable to a, to a, to a T over the last two weeks. Really. When you really look at his, you know, you look Mm -hmm. at his numbers, you look at a guy who's, Mm -hmm. you know, really start, started to flourish a little bit more last week. Um, You know, throwing 28 times, two touchdowns. I know he had the one INT, but you know, just I thought looked a lot more comfortable than expected. Uh, Handle business uh, for the most part and has done so for the last two weeks. Obviously not having to throw the ball too much against Auburn, but in that in that fact, seven for eleven and two touchdowns that week. Then too, so I think he's going to play really well. I, I'm much more looking at whether or not Alabama. Um, has really turned a corner, like Nick alluded to. I, I have, have they figured themselves out a little bit? Um, you know, I, unfortunately for for Mississippi State fans, they got to be tired about playing tired about of, of playing Alabama because that seems to be a get right game for Alabama every single year. Um, and they looked ridiculous. They looked excellent, but they went back to kind of what we had talked about in previous episodes: was if they can run the football, they'll be dominant. And Jalen Milrow only had to throw twelve times. Uh, as a team they ran the football 40 times you know taking it back to the old Trent Richardson days uh, you know really just trying to to pound a team into the ground and trying to muscle them and, and leaning on them something i talked about them possibly doing in the, during the Texas week um uh, so i'm expect, i'm excited to see if a, if they can do that against an am team that's much better up front much more talented defensively and if they can they've turned to, if they can that's going to be their formula for the rest of the year um uh, I'm gonna lean, I'm gonna lean A&M side. I don't know why. I just feel like it's in College Station. Max Johnson's the last A&M quarterback to beat Bama. He's not gonna be scared, and that team has the talent. The talent gap, and, and Nick, you can tell me if I'm wrong or right. The talent gap doesn't feel that that big anymore. Um, and, and I really think that A&M can slow down the offense that we all knew know that Alabama's gonna have to have to win this ball game, which is gonna be, you know, we're gonna run it. 30 times Jalen's gonna throw it 20 times you know maximum and we're gonna hope our defense can hold on so give me AM here um in a big win uh that you know and i think alabama you know gets back to the drawing board for another week where we have to hear about their quarterback play because i think AM's defense is good enough to to, to really kill an offense that only wants to run the football and only can at the moment
0: all right. I mean, uh, you know, roll tide. Let's go. So, uh, Syracuse at North Carolina here, uh, number 14, North Carolina. The spread is UNC by eight and a half at home, 59 and a half is the total here. Uh, look, North Carolina is a very good team. They've had a tough schedule so far, and they're 4 um, 0. Syracuse is also a tough team, though. Uh, a little more battle-tested than normal. They look pretty strong. I don't know, Nick. Is this a situation where UNC doesn't take Syracuse seriously enough and gets beat by them at home? Or is this a UNC at-home, no-reason-to-doubt-them type of game? Um, I have I have doubts. I have doubts about
1: both teams. Uh, and our numbers don't have a great read on, on this one in particular. So uh, North Carolina's eight-and-a-half-point favorite. Our uh, prism model, stats-only model, has North Carolina favored by closer to six. Uh, but both our talent edge model and our team strength model have North Carolina as double-digit favorites. Uh, UNC has one of the very best players in the country and Drake May, one of the best quarterbacks uh, for sure. Uh, but you know, even though they've they've certainly had some big uh, performances running the football, you know, still have a little bit of. Uh, a question mark there. There's, you know, plenty of, of talent, plenty of uh, skill position talent specifically uh, for North Carolina. But you know, Nate McCullum stepped up, had a huge game one week. Uh, you know, Kobe Payser looked like he might be able to to step into the role of of Josh Downs. That hasn't exactly. Uh, played out. you know. J.J. Jones has had his moments. They've got a rotating crew at, at tight end, um, but there's just not a whole lot of consistency. And so uh, North Carolina is 42nd in overall team performance. They're 21st passing, 48th rushing. Um, defensively, they've taken a, a pretty significant and noticeable step forward, but last year's struggles, I think, are, are still really Uh, you know, certainly in my mind, and and they have really struggled against the run this year. And Syracuse, uh, you know, they they can run the football a little bit. Um, They're 18th in rushing team performance on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, LaQuint Allen off to a very, very good start this season. Garrett Schrader, quarterback, can run as well. Um, They certainly are missing... Aranda Gatson, the second who went out early in the year with a, a season-ending uh, lower body injury, but you know they've they've got some guys like Damian Alford who can make some plays as well. Donovan Brown, Isaiah Jones, uh, Umari Hatcher—they've they've, they've uh, all stepped up and and been um, productive at receiver at times this year for Syracuse. Uh, and Syracuse right now defensively is is playing like a top twenty-five. Unit, but um, they had a, a fairly uh, easy time. You know, I mean, Purdue could be it could be a tough opponent. They struggled a little bit with Army uh, as well, but got to four and zero and was one of those teams that didn't really feel like we learned very much last week. They have an opportunity at home to make a statement against Clemson and and uh, just weren't really in it after the what second quarter. Clemson just sort of jumped on them and it never really felt like Syracuse had much of a chance. So uh, both of these teams are, I think, you know, capable of, of getting themselves together and being uh, dangerous down the stretch. I think I trust North Carolina just a little bit more. Um, I understand why they would be uh, favored in this game. I understand why some of our numbers think that they should be favored by double digits, um, but uh, you know this this Syracuse team can be a little tricky in North Carolina, uh, still a little little tough to trust. So um, usually, if we're on a, a favorite in a conference game, uh, you know double digits and and uh, the, the you know getting two double digits on a big favorite. Um, that's a decent sign for us. So I think I feel okay that we're on the North Carolina side here, but uh I don't know. This is this is a little bit of a, a tricky one as well. And and our our model does give us uh some or our two different three different models do give us some uh conflicting signals on this one.
0: Yeah, I think kinda like Nick alluded to here, Xavier. I'm I'm a stay away from this game. Uh <laughs> I, I don't I don't know what I like here between uh UNC and Syracuse, I think this is a, as my buddy Joe Pizapia would call it, a four-outcome game. You can see one team running away with this without issue. You could see the other team running away with it. So it, it could play out really any way, which makes it one of the more unpredictable games of the week for me. So I'm just going to pass on it. Do you have a good feel either way in this one?
2: Um, No, I don't. I do know. <laughs> I, I, I'll say this. These are two of the more dynamic quarterbacks in the country. That's, like, the one pull away I can. Gary Schrader and Drake May both, whether through the air and then Gary Schrader a lot more through the ground. Or... Is Schrader
0: 100% playing, or is he he's still questionable, right? No. Definitely. As far as I know, he's, he's yeah. good to go. Uh, okay. Uh, I yeah. thought we were talking. I I thought uh, Thor and Farrell were talking about Schrader uh, yesterday as maybe being questionable a little bit. Uh,
1: I I will do I some could digging. Be, I but could I be didn't mixed have up him... my
0: my players, but I thought mm-hmm. he was maybe a little nicked up. But I'll see what I can find. But okay, uh, I didn't have him highlighted. Okay, okay, uh, probably my mistake. More likely my mistake than Nick's. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Sorry.
2: No, you're fine. I, I think, like I said. Extremely, extremely slippery quarterbacks. Both of them can make plays out of seemingly nothing. Uh, So from that point of view, I'm excited to watch the game Mm -hmm. to see, you know, which quarterback uh, can be the more dynamic quarterback um, on a consistent basis. I think both defenses have at times this year shown themselves to be, you know, to to be pretty good. And on other hands, you go, you know, in other instances, you're like, all right, North Carolina defense, what are we doing? You know? You've got a dynamic offense. How about we hold how about we hold serve here and not, you know, make this a closer game than what it needs to be? And, you know, obviously I'm thinking back to, to the App State game. I'm thinking back to even the South Carolina game at times got a little sticky there at the end. I was like, all right, North Carolina, go ahead and just put this one away, please. Um, so I, I really think that North Carolina is the better team, but I'm also I also wouldn't be too totally surprised to watch this game be a six point ball game going into the fourth quarter. Um, I think Drake May, for all of his dynamicism, gives the gives teams opportunities. I'm going to say it right now. I love the kid. I think Drake May is a bona fide first-round draft pick. I also watch him sometimes. I'm like, dude, just take what the defense is giving you. You don't have – he gives me a very – and, you know, Scott will understand this. He gives me very Josh Allen vibes. Like, <laughs> dude, just take what the defense is giving you. Stop trying to hit a home run, you know, 50% of the time. If you would just do it 20% of the time, you know, you'd blow out – you know, 85% of your schedule. So I'm looking for, I think Syracuse is looking to bounce back. Everything that they've said in the media this week is we beat ourselves. We, we don't think that we played our best against Clemson. We're trying to bounce back this week against North Carolina and they're going to have all of the, you know, all, all of the, um, what is oh all the fire to do so playing another ranked opponent. So, I think this game will be close. I think this game will be extremely fun to watch. Like I said, with two extremely dynamic quarterbacks. I, if people haven't watched Garrett Strader yet this year, this guy sometimes pulls Houdini acts. You know, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, but yeah, I'm leaning towards North Carolina. They looked. They've looked like the more complete team all season. Um, in, uh, in comparing the two, and I think Drake May is just that much better than Garrett Strader right now as a passer. Uh, but once again, like I said. I think both teams could be really good um, or this game could end up being a really good game this Saturday.
0: Maybe. Yeah. Maybe uh, Nick just put in the private chat. I think maybe I was thinking about how Schrader took, like he just took a huge shot last week and a bunch of people on Twitter were talking about it. Like how did he not have a concussion and that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff? I I must've been uh, mixing it up because he's not. It was a, it was a big hit
1: and and they did check him out. But uh, if, if what I just read and, And I don't remember uh, seeing the talk of him get checked out, but um, saw that apparently he didn't miss any time, you know, just back
0: into the the game. Uh,
1: So I I looked for some more recent reports, you know, if any uh, beat reporters or anything were, were. able to ask any follow-ups after the game and and i didn't i didn't come across anything that okay. sounded concerning but you never know i
0: mean we, we yeah i mean Saturday. we got to the game time and <laughs> jalen daniels uh, wasn't playing for right. uh, uh, yeah. for kansas so you you do you do truly never know in college but i i must have been just thinking about that big hit that he took uh last week so let's go over to notre dame on the road against louisville notre dame is a six and a half point favorite fifty three. And a half is the total here. Uh, Nick, I just can't figure Louisville out. I mean, last week <laughs> I thought they're going to beat NC State going away because NC State hadn't looked so good. NC State's another team I haven't been able to figure out because I thought this, you know, remake of the Brendan Armstrong and uh, an eye offense from Virginia was going to look great and it has not so far. So you never know when they're going to put it all together. But I just think Notre Dame is is going to outclass Louisville here. How do you see this game uh playing out?
1: It it's funny. It seems like there's a little bit of a theme this week, right? Undefeated team getting its first real test and we're going to find out like is this team for real or as you know some including uh Xavier like to say, are they, are they fraudulent? And well, we, we might find out uh, specifically about Louisville this week because Notre Dame, I, I do believe is legitimately good. It seemed like in the preseason that we were maybe a touch high on Notre Dame, but um, they are you know sixth in our power rankings. They're top 10 in roster strength. They're playing like a top 10 team as far as team performance goes. And, Uh, you know, other than the Notre Dame game, and yeah, they they did lose a a late lead uh, against Duke uh, last week, so uh, you know, but but in their first four games, which were admittedly uh, not the toughest opponents, NC State being one of those uh, first four. Um, they took care of business easy and they went toe to toe with Ohio State until the very end. Uh, they responded when they fell down late against Duke, came back, found a way to win. They've navigated some injuries at some key positions. Wide receiver was one last week. They were without Jaden Thomas and Jaden Greathouse. It sounds like both of those guys are going to be back. Um, but Sam Hartman, you know, has, has been. A really big lift to this offense, which is playing like a top ten offense, top three passing team performance rating, uh, and they're top twenty in rushing team performance. Audrick Estime has been uh, really, really good, and they've got some depth at that position as well. Joe All, one of the best offensive linemen in the country, leading what's been a top twenty-five unit in O-line performance. Defensively, very, very strong, few major weak spots. Uh, They're top 25 in defensive team performance, top 10 against the pass, top 30 against the run. Louisville is a team that, you know, coming in undefeated, uh, obviously very much in the mix to, uh, you know, be involved in the ACC uh, championship game if they continue to take care of business and and find ways to win. Uh, They are Of course, dealing with a a first-year head coach, a lot of new faces, uh, incoming transfers on both sides of the ball. Jack Plummer at quarterback sometimes has been very, very good. Sometimes has been very, very shaky. Um, But, you know, Jawar Jordan has been incredibly explosive at running back. Was hemmed in a little bit last week. But um, overall, this offense has been – a top 10 unit. They're seventh in overall team performance. They're 17th passing, ninth rushing. Uh, Louisville as a whole has played uh, like a fringe top 10 team according to our team performance numbers. That honestly seems a little high, especially when some of the statistics on the defensive side of the ball are, are a little shaky they're 68th in yards per play allowed they're 40th in points per drive against they're 78th in yards per pass attempt against um but in some of the other numbers you know they're top 15 in success rate allowed they're top 15 in epa per play or ppa per play um and you know when you put it all together they're top 25 defense as far as our team performance goes uh, top 50 against the pass and, and 32nd against the run so they should be able to line up and and not be uh you know physically overwhelmed against Notre Dame. I don't think Notre Dame has any uh you know schematic advantage uh that, that's going to be uh you know play a play a major role. This seems like it's going to be a, another, you know, tough potentially fourth quarter game. Uh and Louisville is top 25 in our power ratings. They are top 25 in our roster strength ratings top thirty on both sides of the football. Uh Jeff Brom, you know, have to to give kudos to to he and and his coaching staff for uh, building this roster, bringing in guys like Jamari Thrash, who've been very very productive early on in the season. Uh, You know, finding ways to to uh, you know have have Jack Plummer work with he and and Kevin Coleman, Jimmy Calloway, uh, Jadon Thompson. You know, Ari Huggins, Bruce is, is back. Chris Bell is back. Both of those guys have had moments so far this year. But, um, you know, Plummer is, is for the most part taking care of the football and, and has been a little shaky at times. But um, I think he's going to give Louisville a, a chance to uh, pull off an upset here. Um, you know, this game is projected in our numbers very, very close to what the odds makers have. Uh, six and a half was the official line. I think I saw something before we started recording that that number's uh, maybe ticked down to six. Um, but we're at 6.25 in our team strength projections. We're 6.07 in talent edge and 5.64 in prism. So we are right in line. Don't see any major edges uh, one way or the other. Even our projected total is very close. We're we're on the over, but uh, by just a little more than half a point. So um, this one is you know, just set up to, to be a very, very good game, a tough road test for Notre Dame, uh, an opportunity for a a highlight win for Louisville and what looks like could be a, you know, close fourth quarter, come down to the final drive type game, which we've seen obviously the last couple of weeks uh, from Notre Dame. So will they be able to survive this one? Will Sam Hartman be able to, uh, you know, lead this team to a win or, Um, is this Louisville team, you know, like we've discussed with Missouri and Maryland and and some of the others who are off to a great start, but you know, maybe haven't really been tested by a team as good as they'll see this week. Uh, is this Louisville team for real and going to be able to take advantage of that opportunity?
0: Xavier, do you have a good feeling on if Louisville is real or, uh, if this is just too wishy-washy? I mean, I don't, they just don't I, have a good read. Uh, I can't pick Louisville to save my life. There's a bunch of teams I can't pick to save my life this year. But that,
2: look, watching them play, and I've been watching them intently because uh, we uh, their best receiver came from Georgia State. So kind of just tracking this. Shout out to Jamari Thrash. Uh, no clue. This team has just shown me that they can either go out there and bludgeon you know weaker teams than them in Boston College, but then I expected them to do the same thing last week against NC State, and they just were like, yeah, you know. We like a close game. And I was like, okay, sure. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, and, and, and what makes last week so mind-boggling is the fact that NC State was still, like, really bad off- offensively. Louisville just was like, we'll just be a little bit better. Uh, so I'm just so confused as to what Louisville team will see this Saturday Um, against the Notre Dame team. Once again, now, they may have been overlooking NC State. I say this all the time. These are kids. It's not impossible to think that, hey, they were like – Ah, NC State will go in there, Britton Armstrong not playing well this year, we'll, we'll watch them and then we you know we'll really get up for the for the Notre Dame game the week in the week next. But you know, the one thing I will say is Notre Dame is extremely battle tested at this point. you know, two back to back ranked games, two games that came down to the final uh, two three drives, right? Uh, um, you know, and now you're looking at a game again against another ranked opponent making that resume better, where they could find themselves in a situation where they win this game. They probably find themselves somewhere in the top seven, especially if they beat them handedly. Louisville, and I, I haven't seen it yet, but they're probably doing a blackout um, and for this game. Being at home against a top-10 ranked team, there's an opportunity for Jack Plummer to really show his exploits on the national scale. Uh, I think he's, uh, I think before last week, he had been, you know, quietly having a really decent, a really good season. Uh, and so I, I think... Until Louisville, I bet on him. You know, are we going to call it the Scott curse? No, I'm not. It I'm could not. be.
0: <laughs> I wouldn't be shocked this year.
2: <laughs> um, but I, I, I expect Louisville to play up. I expect Notre Dame on the flip side, understanding that this is another ranked game. I was a little worried about this being a trap game for them. If, if, you know, Louisville wasn't ranked. Uh, but with it being another ranked game on the road, I know Marcus Freeman will have those guys going. The biggest question mark for me is, can Notre Dame find explosive offensive plays? This is a team that has had to grind out these drives. Their offense has not been maybe as well tuned as I thought, maybe in the passing game as I thought it would be coming into the year, um, and through the, the, these first five weeks, their offense has been able, to, it has had to grind out these wins. Uh, their defense, like I thought, what it would be, it's, it's a Marcus Freeman led defense. They play well, they play disciplined, they do what they were supposed to do. Outside of having ten men on the field twice, they've done what they were supposed to do pretty much all season. So I expect that defense to play well, but. Louisville has been more explosive than Notre Dame has been this year. Granted, they haven't played the same schedule, but that offense has, you know, the the Louisville offense for me so far has shown a little bit more juice on that end than I have seen from from Notre Dame. And I'm worried to see whether or not if this game gets into somewhat of a shootout, can Notre Dame match Louisville's offense um, in, in explosives because Notre Dame. Even with all that being said, excuse me. I think Notre Dame wins this ball game because I believe in that defense more at Notre Dame than I do at Louisville. Louisville, but for all the great things that they've had, that they've done this year, they still gave up 28 points to a, a Boston College team that has been rather inept this year. Um, outside of you know, uh, you know, and so I really expect Notre Dame to kind of, kind of calm that Louisville offense down, and I think they'll do just enough offensively. What they, which they, they've done pretty much the last two weeks. To win this ball game, I see another game um, where you know Notre Dame puts up 24 points. They win 24-14, and they get a win, but it's not overly impressive. I would bet the under on this. um, Be perfectly honest with you, I just have not seen that game from Notre Dame's offense in a while. You know, especially with the with the the, the competition raising where their offense has been like that team can put up 30. I just don't know if it can at this point. So give me Notre Dame. I think it'll be tighter on the score line but when you watch the game i think notre dame will be in control
0: Uh, all right Uh, let's go over to a game i actually do have a take on fresno state at wyoming fresno state is a five and a half point road favorite 46 and a half is the total in this game and nick i have bet the wrong side of wyoming i feel like three times this year i don't know which Wyoming is showing up, but I I'll tell you this. I like the over in this game because it's another game at Wyoming. And even though they play there and they're conditioned for it and all that stuff, they've been on defense a lot. And I think they're starting to wear down. And I think that's what we saw in the second half against New Mexico last week was New Mexico scored a lot of points in the second half. I think Wyoming kind of hit their limit on the, being on the defensive side of the ball. I think just time of possession has wrecked them the last two weeks because that game against App State, they were on the field for 40 minutes, <laughs> and they held App State to uh, a decent total, and they won on that block field goal or whatever. It was a crazy game. Uh, but I think Wyoming, specifically defensively, is getting a little run down. I think they need a bye week. They're playing at elevation. I think this is the third week in a row, and I think Fresno State's going to put up the majority of this total. So I kind of like the over here in this game. Uh, How do you see it playing out?
1: Uh, Well, we, we project this game to go over Uh, 40. uh, What was it? 46 and a half was Mm -hmm. the uh, official. When we, when we released it on Tuesday, Uh, we have it at 48.9. Also, you and I've been texting back and forth a little bit, uh, trying to track down some numbers on, on particular, uh scenarios you know on, on really right low totals really high totals it sounds like uh if i remember correctly i saw something about games under 50 uh or you know in the 40s are uh right now the over seems to be doing pretty well so that you know trend perhaps uh lines up as as well um this game you know, we, we probably won't spend a a ton of time on it, but uh, I thought it was, thought it was a really interesting one. I mean, Fresno state is, is top 25 in the, uh, polls. Wyoming, uh, is, uh, coming in what four and one, I believe, one or no in the mountain West They're they're going to be a factor, you know, I mean, Texas being the only, only loss. And, and, uh, even though that game got away from them a little bit, uh, at the end, it was, it was close close in the fourth quarter. Um, And, uh, you know, this this Wyoming team is is always tough to beat at home. Uh, They've gotten a boost on the offensive side of the ball since Harrison Whaley has uh, come on. Uh, He missed the first three games, I think, with uh, an injury, but uh, has been you know, over hundred yards the last couple of games. So um, that has been very good, has helped him navigate some injuries uh, at the quarterback position specifically. Uh, Wyoming does have some injuries on the defensive too deep uh, for sure. So maybe a little bit of uh, depth uh, potentially is, is an issue there. Fresno State, I have to admit, I, I was wrong about Fresno State. Coming into the year, I thought uh, that we were going to see a significant step back. I, I thought that, you know, losing Jake Hanger, losing um, just the the experience and production that they had at the running back position, wide receiver position, offensive line. Um, I just, I expected this Fresno state team to be middle of the pack in the mountain West. Um, but they have been far better, far better than that. They've looked really, really good uh, this year. Basically, in general, I mean, they they almost found a way to lost uh, to lose to FCS uh, Eastern Washington in week two, after you know, kind of sandwiching two uh, uh, power five road upset win. Well, not really; they were favored against Arizona State, but um, you know, two big wins against power five teams on the road. They almost lose to an FCS opponent uh, between there, but otherwise, I mean, they've just been really really good defensively they have been a top 10 unit they are number seven in defensive team performance they are 11th against the pass 11th against the run um and they've been tested i mean that that purdue offense quite good uh you know maybe maybe the arizona state kent state nevada uh you know not uh, certainly not a, a a super tough uh trio the last three weeks but um know we've we've seen fresno state rise up and, and play some good defense against uh some some you know decent opponents at, at points this year so um they have certainly proven me wrong mikey Keene specifically uh, has proven me wrong i wasn't a big believer in him as a transfer coming in he's been excellent um they've been banged up at the running back position it hasn't mattered elijah gilliam uh walk on now i believe has a scholarship but uh, he was able to step in for a banged up Malik Sherrod early in the year. They haven't gotten anything from Damian Moore, the cow transfer. Um, you know, they have gotten more than expected from Jalen Gill, the transfer from Boston college, Eric Brooks got off to a just huge start to the season. Um, so this Fresno state team. Yeah. Just, just, it's proven me wrong week in and week out uh, and and is legitimately quite good. That said, our projection models kind of all over the board. Uh, we, interestingly enough, did not expect this, have Wyoming with the talent edge in this game. Um, the stats only model has Fresno State favored by seven and a half. So uh, would, would be covering. Um, the official model is pretty, pretty close to that official line. Uh, five and a half, we have it right at five. But with Wyoming... Um, covering so uh, this as much as now I've I'm willing to go back on my opinion on on Fresno State uh, from earlier in the season I, I do think they are one of the very best teams in the Mountain West um, and they're you know a top 50 team I'm not sure they're a top 25 team but they're a top 50 team but this is a trouble spot going to Wyoming very tough place to play against a Wyoming team that has uh, been tested has some big wins, um, and gets this team at home. Yeah, I, I, you know, Fresno State is is rightly favored, uh, but I expect this one to be very close.
0: Yeah, Xavier, Mountain West matchup, a fun one. I was mentioning before, you know, how I think Wyoming's defense might be a little worn out. They've had some tough games to play here. Texas Tech, uh, Portland State, Texas, App State, and New Mexico, four of their five games have been at home at Elevation they don't get a bye week until after next week against Air Force. I think they're starting to get a little ragged here, uh, Wyoming defense. And we saw it against New Mexico uh, last week where they allowed uh, New Mexico to score, um, I believe, what was that, uh, 14 points in the fourth quarter. Um, I just think they're kind of starting to get a little run down here. And Fresno State is no joke. So I'm I, – I've picked wrong Wyoming three times in my article for betting pros this year. So I'm not going to pick Wyoming again, but I think I kind of like the total to go over in this game. That's where I stand. How do you see this one going?
2: Yeah, I think Fresno, I think Wyoming, you're absolutely right. Getting a little ragged there. I think, you know, similarly to how we've talked about Colorado in previous episodes about their depth and how that might end up impacting them later in the season. We're we're, we're really getting there. Uh, This is also a team with a, you know, that, that, is clamoring, like you had mentioned earlier, to get to that bye week. They've got it in two weeks. So they're like, yes, uh, we're, we're, we're right there. If we can continue pushing the way we are, you know, only having one loss on the year, we, we might be able to get there, right? Um, and that defense has just been so good. I mean, obviously, we, you know, they, they were able to handle an, uh, an App State team. Uh, obviously, I mean, you started with the year off. Did they beat Texas Tech, um, you know, on you know and had a really good game and that one to beat them in overtime? So, and, and I think it's held, and then held Texas maybe to their lowest total, it it,
0: it was um it it was a great game uh from from Wyoming Texas didn't score till late
2: yeah and that's Texas's lowest total all year (laughs) so you know that that Wyoming the defense is legit um on the flip side though you've got a Fresno State offense that is equally as legit um this is this is an offense that has rolled at points this year obviously you know going and beating Purdue putting up 39 uh putting up 29 and then shutting out Arizona State and the Arizona State team that battled a couple of weeks ago against USC. Um, putting up 27 points last week as well against Nevada, where I think Mikey Keene was a little, you know, throwing the ball around a little bit too much, a little gun, you know, a little gunslinger ish, uh, with, with the two ints. But offense is extremely balanced. That's the other piece about this Fresno State team that I think, um, they've, they've been able to do this year is they've, they've been, especially last week, more balanced than I think maybe people expected. Um, you know. Ran it, over, ran it around twenty something times last week. Um, threw the ball thirty four times. You know that, that's that's not necessarily as 50 but that's as you know fifty five forty five as a person as a team could probably get, right? So I really like Fresno State's offense. I think their defense. I, I know they played Nevada last week, but their defense has shown through at times this year. Obviously, I just said that they you know they shut out Arizona State. Um, they and, and since week two of the season, uh, they haven't given up more than ten points uh so you know i I think their defense may have turned somewhat of a corner as well but i'm excited i'm I'm excited for the game uh i think i'm gonna lean on fresno state to win this ball game i agree with you um on the total i i really now would you if you're wrong again
0: would this be the last time you bet on wyoming that's it Uh, nothing okay (laughs) Uh, on wyoming uh over under against the spread not a single thing This week. And this is also like I have my five write ups Mm -hmm. and then I have my five game. This will be another game. I'm not gonna try to explain Wyoming again. Uh people are probably getting tired of me missing on it. So I'll take the total. I'll go with the over in this game because I think Fresno State gets the majority of it. Uh, but you know, if I'm wrong again, yeah. RAP Wyoming for my article. I'm done. So uh, but let's go. Uh, anything more on that game, Xavier? Or are we ready to go to game of the week? Yeah, Oklahoma I, I do have a question versus for you though. Before we start that, okay, sure, sure. Go ahead. Are, is this the most
2: confident you confident you've walked into a Red River rivalry in a decade?
0: Uh, yes, one well, not <laughs> even close. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, uh, look, and all of the numbers are saying, and I talked to Thor and Mike yesterday on betting pros. They both like. The Oklahoma side as well, and everything I've seen tickets-wise. Uh, actually, tickets-wise, I think the money is on Texas here. Uh, Oklahoma versus Texas in the Red River rivalry, 6.5. Uh, Texas is the favorite in this game. 60.5 is the total here. Um, like Xavier said, th- I feel pretty good about the Longhorns, and I don't usually have a good sense going into this game. Um I felt good going into this game before and have my heart ripped out. So uh, every scenario I've seen played out uh, in the rivalry between Texas and Oklahoma, we get up big, Caleb Williams comes back and beat us. And then last year we just win going away. So um, I've kind of seen it all. It's always a weird game. Um, There's always excitement around it. It's one of the most hyped up games of the year. I think it's probably number two. I think Ohio state Michigan is number one. Uh, all year long. And then I think um, Texas in Oklahoma is the one before that. So um, another big game, Oklahoma has not looked bad. They haven't played the level of schedule that Texas has. So your thoughts uh, going into the red river rivalry in 2023. Well,
1: following with the the theme, uh, you know, how good is Oklahoma really? Because our, our numbers think Oklahoma is really, really good. Uh, team performance-wise, which are, you know, we do uh, adjust for strength of schedule. Um, Oklahoma is sixth in overall team performance, so they're they're playing like a fringe top-five team. Uh, they are 18th in offensive team performance. They are fourth in defensive team performance. Uh, this is a, a defense that has taken a big, big... Okay step forward. Uh, they were 68th last year in Brent Venables first season. Um, this is more the Oklahoma defense that we expected to see under, uh, you know, who, when he took over as head coach, uh, Brent Venables had been our, our highest rated defensive coordinator pretty much for years. Um, but uh, you know, with the, the talent on hand, Oklahoma has of course recruited really, really well. Uh, and if you look at the position strength numbers in our team profiles, where we do, you know, take the, the talent uh, numbers adjust for experience and production, Oklahoma is number one in the Big Twelve in every positional category: D line, linebacker, secondary, front seven, back seven, all of it. I mean, they are they are just across the board a, a really really solid defense, a talented defense uh, that is finally playing up to the level of that talent. Um, I think Dylan Gabriel, a quarterback is, uh, you know, perhaps underrated. <laughs> I think a lot of people are talking about him the last few weeks and, and how underrated he has been. Um, there were calls early in the season coming into the season, uh, you know, the, the five star true freshman Jackson Arnold, people were, were ready for him to come in and, and, you know, take over this offense, but Dylan Gabriel's played really, really well, um, uh, you know, the passing offense has definitely been better than the rushing attack. Uh, Oklahoma is twenty sixth in our passing team performance numbers. They are seventy third rushing part of that. I think they've had a little bit of, uh, you know, they've had some injuries. Uh, there were times earlier in the year. Um, where uh, Javante Barnes, I know, you know, in fall camp was was dealing with an injury. Sounds like there's been maybe some inconsistency with he and, and Gavin Sawchuk, the other uh, 2022 uh, recruit coming into the year, who they were expected to be one of the top duos potentially in the Big 12. But it seems like uh, maybe they've fallen out of favor a little bit. Uh, guys like Marcus Major and Tommy Walker have been getting uh, a little bit more playing time um and so you know they haven't quite figured out completely the the rushing attack but um a lot of the numbers are very very good in scoring against FB, FBS opponents Oklahoma's number 2 um they are top 20 in yards per play against FBS opponents they are top 10 in points per drive and yards per pass attempt and success rate and EPA per play so you know uh, number by number uh, Oklahoma's just been very, very. I mean, you know, solid to to good to very good. Um, Texas is is right there with them. You know, like Oklahoma is top ten in our power rankings. Is uh, the the highest rated team in the Big Twelve? But it's it's close. You know, I'll go ahead and say our our numbers project this to be much closer to a coin flip than it is uh, a comfortable Texas win or a touchdown Texas win. But you know Texas is is very very talented as well. Uh, They are I mentioned Oklahoma being number one in position strength on the defensive side of the ball in every category. Texas is number two in in just about everything. Um, And the one that they're lowest on, you know, our numbers I think are are wrong (laughs) because uh, the Texas defensive line is really really good um, and and playing like it. Uh, you know, they're, they're 12th right now in, in D-line performance nationally. And you could argue, you know, they're even, uh, uh, better than, than that number might suggest. But on the offensive side of the ball, you know, there are no weak spots as long as everybody's healthy. Uh, that is a little bit of a question with Javion Sanders this week, arguably, you know, top two, three tight end in the country. Um, but he was banged up a bit last week. Uh you know, that could potentially uh hurt a little bit in the the passing attack, which has been a strength. Texas is seventh in offensive team performance uh passing-wise. They are 16th overall, 37th rushing. Uh Jonathan Brooks has looked really, really good the last few weeks, better than most, you know, than, than most uh expected. Um, you know, CJ Baxter, true freshman, five star. Uh, has uh, been, you know, has had some playing time, actually started the season over I believe, uh, but has been a little bit banged up. That's limited him a little bit. Jonathan Brooks has taken advantage and, and been really, really good. Um, you know, Xavier Worthy, still a big-time, big-play threat. A.D. Mitchell has really come on last week, had a huge game. Uh, Jordan Whittington, consistent as ever. And, you know, the, the offensive line that we knew was uh, – certainly among the most experienced in the country, bringing everybody back, Kelvin Banks, uh, excellent left tackle, you know, they're, they're playing like a top 25 unit. You know, there's room certainly, I think for improvement when you look at uh, how well Texas has recruited on the offensive line and and the experience of that unit, but they're very, very good. And to me, and, and the way that, that our numbers shake out, this looks like a fairly even matchup. Um, but uh, going back to the, the theme of, of the week, Texas is much more proven. We saw Texas go on the road, beat Alabama. Uh, we saw Texas take care of business on the road against a Baylor team that sometimes gives them trouble. Last week against Kansas, this week, you know this time last week we were talking about that uh, Kansas should be able to, to keep it close. Now, obviously they didn't have Jalen Daniels, but um, that game wasn't, wasn't really in doubt uh, for, for very long. Um, Texas was able to, to come out and uh, prove it was the more talented uh, and, and better team and, and pulled away. Um, Oklahoma looks much, much, much improved overall, especially on the defensive side. Um, but, you know, we, we saw an Oklahoma team last year that started really, really hot, and it all sort of turned around really quick. Uh this year, you know, they've they've been able to to sustain that. They're now five and oh, not three and oh. Um, and they have been a pretty dominant team. Uh but what what's really been the, the biggest test? SMU, maybe? Um, you know, Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. So okay. this is a, a week where we will definitely learn more about Oklahoma. My Uh, You know, our projections, in my personal opinion, this seems like it's it's going to be a very, very close game. Uh, You know, obviously turnovers, big plays, things like that. Uh, Things can can a team can can pull away and and end up with a a blowout or a comfortable win. But these look like two very evenly matched teams to me. And and this Oklahoma team uh, has been playing just as well, if not better. In a lot of the, you know, underlying numbers as, as Texas has, but Texas is more proven. So um, we'll see if if those numbers are real for Oklahoma or if, uh, you know, this Texas team is is just elevating itself to to be legitimately one of those national championship contenders.
0: Yeah, I mean Xavier. You know, for Texas, it's almost uh, the boy who cried wolf. We've come into this game many many times. As a favorite and lost, we've been underdogs and won. Like I said, I've seen this game play out every way. I feel like it possibly can until the next game. And I go, wow, I never saw that coming. So probably another one of those games. Most, <laughs> most of the time, it's going to be a close game. Um, Nick is right where, you know, Texas is look good and they played the harder schedule, but we don't know what the ceiling or floor is on Oklahoma because they have not been put to the test yet. It's a tough game to have your first test in. Uh, really, is, is this one? So, how do you see this going? Am I going to be uh, happy come Sunday morning or am I going to be uh, sad and watching the Steelers probably also get uh, their butts whipped by the Ravens? So, I think you'll be, wow,
2: what a, what a rivalry weekend for you. I know. Um, I, I think you'll be happy with the win, but unhappy with the performance. That makes sense? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, because I think that. Texas is going to I think uh Brett Venables is gonna take the ball out of Quinn Ewers' hand. He's gonna force Texas to grind this one out. He's gonna say, beat us in the run game, uh, beat us in the run game, beat us in the run game. I, I genuinely think so. I think they'll come a lot with they did this, a similar thing with Emory Jones. I know that the, the caliber of quarterback is completely different. Don't 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 misquote me on yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I got you.
0: I got you. But against no offense taken.
2: Yeah, yeah. So. against <laughs> against Cincinnati, a lot of five man blitzes. A lot of, bo- lot of pressure on the QB, um, you know, a lot of, lot of different style of blitzes as well, show different coverage packages on the back end. But they fought, but what Cincinnati did really well in is they ran the football exceptionally well in that ballgame. Obviously, you know, we all know about Kiner at, at Cincinnati, one of the better running backs um, in the country. You know, obviously he's been pretty good all season. And that's where I think that they're going to say they're going to look at last week's tape and go, we don't think Jonathan Brooks can beat, a, beat us like they did. Like he did Kansas. Um, well, I think he'll look at last week's tape and be and be extremely upset about, or maybe he'll be happy about it. But Kansas ran a ton of just soft zone and was just like, all right, Quinn, find the open man. And Quinn was like, okay, Ad Mitchell's mm-hmm. right there. Uh, so I, I think that he, Quinn Ewers has done really well when he's been able to look against zone, but that processing again, is, in, is going to come into question this week. Uh, you know, I think Oklahoma's going to run a ton of man behind blitz packages. It's going to be blitzing all game because uh, Venables knows they can't get pressure with four. That, that's on tape. It's everywhere. Um, that they just have had trouble getting pressure with four like he was able to do a lot of times with his defenses at Clemson. So I think you're going to see a lot of blitz heavy packages from uh, Oklahoma's offense. And I think at the end of the day, Texas is going to have to run the football in this game because I think they're going to attempt at the very least to put Quinn Ewers under siege um, in the pocket. On the flip side of that, Nick hit it right on the head. Can Oklahoma be a balanced offense? Um, If they can't, give me Texas by 20, to be honest with you, because I think Texas has the defense, especially on the outside. They've got the speed to play with Oklahoma. I, I think in previous years with past heavy offenses at Oklahoma, they just had too much speed, like all the way down the line and somebody was going to give up a play. Right. Uh, like in, you know, in those Kyler Murray years, it was just speed everywhere. So, so it was really tough to play uh, Oklahoma as far as, uh, as a defense is concerned, because you'd go all the way down the list and their third receiver would still be running like a four, four. And it's like, well, dang, I, I can't put my linebacker on him or he's going to score a touchdown. So, I think this year, quite the contrary, I think the receivers this year are much, much are, are, are easier to guard than in the previous years. And I think for Texas, they're going to look at that offense and go, we haven't seen y'all run the football consistently all year. Can you can you do it? And on top of that, are you patient enough? Can you run a methodical enough offense for us to be worried about your run game? Or are you going to sit back there, let Dylan uh, Gabriel throw it 40 times um, and try to beat us through the air, which we know that you want to do? Um, so, give me Texas here. I think they're the more, ta- more talented team, and I think this is the last genuine hurdle on their schedule. Now, don't 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 mistake me in saying this. You know, you, you play their schedule still. You know, that is still going to be difficult in some respects. I think the Big 12 is not completely dead yet, uh, but I think this is the last genuine hurdle to to consider them. Like, yeah, this is a team that's going to be in the college football playoff um, because up until this part, I think they've passed every hurdle with flying colors. Um, I was one of the people who thought last year's last week's game in particular, especially with Oklahoma coming up this week, was going to be more of a game that could possibly trip them up after about a quarter and a half, quarter and a half, they handled their business, right? After a a very uh, inopportune fumble scoop and score for the offense, um, you know, they, they, they were able to handle their business. And so if they're able to handle their business against Oklahoma this week, I don't, I don't see why this team can't run the table on the flip side for Oklahoma. I think, there may be like a year away. Now I understand the quarterback play. It may be drops off that next year, but I think their team will be better next year. Unfortunately for them, they'll just be coming into the sec, but give me Texas here. I think they win the game. Like I said, I think you'll be happy with the win, but you maybe look back and go, we had opportunities where we could have just stomped them into the ground instead of just winning by like 10.
0: Um, I mean, I hope you're right. You know, uh, I, I absolutely hope you're right. And I will say this for Texas. Like, doesn't matter what the schedule looks like moving forward. They love to drop one in the Big 12. They love to lose to Kansas State or somebody at the end that makes Mm -hmm. no sense. So, uh, I mean, this is – I would love to prove everybody wrong walking out of the Big 12, but, you know, that's the case until proven differently. So that is all the games we have. Nick, is there any other game that we didn't hit that you have a good lean towards, you just feel good about the number? Maybe you thought it came out and it was – too low on one side or the other or total or anything else you like for week six? Uh,
1: well, so have been pointing out wrong team favored projections. They, the last couple of weeks haven't been super great. Uh, got off to a good start, struggled the last couple of weeks, but, uh, Wednesday, not long after we, wrap up here. Uh, We've actually got Jacksonville state as a favorite over middle Tennessee. Uh, We have Buffalo as a favorite against central Michigan. That one surprises me a little bit. I know we've got, I know there's some smart folks out there who are on uh, central Michigan, uh, but our, our projections are firmly firmly on Buffalo. So uh, that'll be an interesting one. Uh, We've got Texas state favored over Louisiana. Uh, Akron, which Akron did lose uh, their starting quarterback uh, DJ irons to a season ender ACL injury. Um, so, you know, do, do keep that in mind. We do have that baked into the numbers, but, um, we, we, uh, yeah, still, still are on Akron, uh, not, a, not a high level of confidence there. UCF, for the third time this year, I have as uh, <laughs> uh, a wrong team favorite, hasn't gone super great <laughs> for us so far. Um, we are on Texas Tech as a favorite over Baylor, coming off the huge uh, come-from-behind win. Uh, and then we've got Utah State as a point one, uh point favorite over Colorado state. So uh, just barely in that one. Um, But there were, you know, we we did mention the UCLA where we have uh, all three lined up on a favorite. There are a a few of those uh, this week as well. Um, I will be doing, and often office hours section in the discord uh, campus Canton discord C2C winning edge tier uh, where I'll go through some of those I, I normally would hit them very quickly but I, I lost my place here so um, I'll have a little more detail on those tomorrow, uh, but those so far this year have, have been pretty good. Uh, For us, Troy, Troy is one 16 and a half point favorite over Arkansas State, Uh, even though Arkansas State's been really, really good when they went to the true freshman quarterback, Jalen Rayner, who's incredibly exciting. Uh, So maybe we're not fully accounting for him there, but we are on Troy uh, this week and and a few others as well that I'll put together in a list and, and discuss a little bit tomorrow.
0: I feel like the numbers have made you kind of a pseudo Troy fan over the last couple of years. Troy, no, we've been, been high
1: on Troy, and they've disappointed a couple times this year. Uh, though last week we were high on Georgia State and Troy.
0: To Man, let's not talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, finally got to Xavier. Oh, on Georgia that. Southern
1: also won. Didn't you say this time last? But no. <laughs> it, was, it was a rough week in the predictions, that one, right? Rough predictions. I, I've been there plenty. plenty. Uh,
0: I do like that. Uh, Nick waited to the end of the show to prod uh, hey, Xavier said, on that. That was, that was, that was pretty nice. good. Xavier. do you have any when you look at the schedule for week six? Do you have anything that stands out to you in particular that uh you had just have a good feeling on one way or the other?
2: Yeah, I got a couple overs that I really like. I like Arkansas Ole miss, I know it's 62 and a half, but both of those teams have not played a good enough defense for me to say that they can't go to 70. Um, I like Georgia Tech Miami to go over 58 and a half. Um, I also like Florida versus Vanderbilt. I I like Vanderbilt to cover. Um, I don't think Florida's offense is explosive enough to win by more than 18 points, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, So give me Vanderbilt to cover there. Um, I'm not sure if that game will go over, but I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty, I'm really confident that Vanderbilt will cover. Uh, Georgia, Kentucky. I genuinely think that game. I think Kentucky will cover. Um, that that game feels like a real old fashioned SEC twenty-one. We game. didn't talk about that one. No, we did not. That is my mistake. We
1: should have talked about that
0: one. Well, we can yeah. do it now. I I'm yeah. I'm fine doing okay. it now. I got a little extra time. So I look, I um in this game, uh, because what is the line, Nick again? It's uh Georgia by 14, what? 14 and a half. Yeah. 14 and a half. Okay. Yeah. With um the total being 48 and a half. I don't know, man. Like, I, I know Kentucky looked great last week. Georgia keeps sleepwalking, right? Yep. That is the danger yep. <laughs> in this game for Georgia. But I don't know, Kentucky, like I watched that game against Vandy because I bet on Kentucky against Vandy, and I didn't think that they looked great. They maybe they're trying to to save it for uh the following this following week that they play Florida and that offensive line looked amazing. And Ray Davis looked like everything we talked about in the uh offseason i don't know though like you can't if they show that vanderbilt if they look more like they did against vanderbilt than they did against florida even though that was a bigger win uh against vanderbilt right i think georgia rolls them so i'm i don't know i just don't have a great feeling one way or the other because i've seen a little jekyll and hyde from Uh kentucky so and leary just i don't know um I don't know if I have supreme confidence in him. I don't have confidence in Beck either, though. So this is a stay away from me. I don't like it. <laughs> oh, see, I, so I kind of disagree
1: a little bit. I, I've been, I feel like Car- Carson Beck's played pretty well uh, this this year. So you, uh, Devin Leary, I do agree, has mm, uh, been a, a little bit of a disappointment. I mean, we've seen we've seen some moments, and you know there have been. Uh, I believe Tavion Robinson uh, went down with an injury last week. He was really, really good the first couple of weeks. Um, they, of course, have Dane Key and Barry and Brown, solid playmakers at the wide receiver position, uh, in addition to, of course, Ray Davis, who just had the monster game uh, last week. But, um, you know, fortunately, last week, Devin Leary and, and that receiver group didn't have to do too much because they could just, you know, they, they just uh, get out of the way and, and let Ray Davis do this thing. Um, but I'm not sure that Kentucky is going to be able to replicate that nice. this week uh, against Georgia, um, who certainly agree as, as sleptwalked walked uh, at times, uh, but defensively still look like a top 10 unit, uh, you know, top 30 against the run. So not not dominant uh, like they were maybe the previous uh a year or two but um i do think that that georgia as talented as they are on the defensive side of the ball especially in the the i mean really throughout the entire unit but you know front seven um it, they match up pretty well with with kentucky mm-hmm. uh offensively there've there've been there've been some moments i mean Carson beck um i just you know, I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but I go through each week through all the box scores and add production points. Uh, and for quarterbacks, some of the things that I'm looking for are, um, you know, 10 plus yards per pass attempt, or, or you know, getting to 300 yards. I'm not sure how many 300 yards games he's had, but he's had uh, like 280, 290, stuff like that. And you know, Carson Beck. Somewhat quietly, he's put up four production points uh, so far this year in five games. That's that's pretty good. Um, so I, I feel like he's been playing pretty well. We've seen Brock Bowers obviously the last couple of weeks uh, step up and and take over and look like the type of player that we expected uh, that he would be coming into the year. That's been welcome because you know the the running game has been uh, good, not great. They're top twenty five in team performance uh, rushing, but. Um, they've obviously been short shorthanded uh, does, you know, Kendall Milton was back and, and played a little bit last week. Dejan Edwards back. He looks pretty good. Um, they had to get creative, get Dylan Bell uh, to play some uh, snaps at, at running back uh, this year. Cash Jones for walk on, um, but they're starting to get, Healthier Bowers, I think, was a little banged up earlier in the year, and, and he looks fully healthy and and very good. Lat McConkie, you know, at least made an appearance last week. Um, he, of course, is is not one hundred percent, but uh, Georgia seems to be getting healthier. I, I think that Beck has been uh, very solid, um, and 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 feel like though we haven't seen the best of Georgia yet, there's um, there's still you know, looking at the underlying numbers, uh, they stack up pretty well. They're 18th in points per game against FPS opponents, 23rd in yards per play, 13th in points per drive, 22nd yards per pass attempt, 10th in success rate, 17th in, in PPA per play. If they do that all year, they're you know, they're gonna win all their games in the regular season, most likely, and and definitely be in the mix uh to win an SEC championship, go to the playoff. Um but you know if they uh is this kentucky team again the theme it's been a theme uh are they legitimately as good as their record indicates They're top 20 in our power rankings our numbers you know this is one of the years it's like the giants in the even year or whatever Uh, (laughs) kentucky in odd years they're very good in our numbers and even years they're like really low um this is a This is a Kentucky year, their 15th in team performance, top 25 on offense, 12th on defense. So it will be a test for Georgia, but who's the best team Kentucky's played this year. Yeah, probably Florida and and they took care of business. Uh, But Florida has a lot of question marks, Um, you know, Vanderbilt, Akron, Eastern Kentucky, ball state. There were times against ball state and Eastern Kentucky where Kentucky did not look good. Um, And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I don't know. I'm I'm not certain that I know Kentucky is a top twenty team the way we calculate things. In a couple of measures, they you know they they do appear to be. Uh, Georgia does not look like a number one team. Um, they are still a top five team with a, a very talented, elite really roster. Uh, top five in overall roster streak. So. This is a game I understand why they're favored. Um, And our numbers have, you know, talent edge numbers, prism numbers, both in the double digits. Uh, Team strength is very, very close to that, but all are under the 14 and a half. So um, Georgia so far hasn't really proven that they're able to pull away uh, yet. So I, I don't hate that we're on Kentucky to keep it within two touchdowns but like we said a few times earlier, this this episode, um, if we see the best, you know, if Georgia finally puts it together, kind of similar to Ohio state or or some of the others um, and puts their best game out there this week, then yeah, they could, they could definitely uh, pull away and and win this one by three scores. But um, the way our numbers stack up right now, Kentucky should be a, uh, should be a tough opponent. and, And, you know, think that there's definitely
0: a chance that this is a, a one score game, or, or you know, Georgia wins by 10, uh, with a light touchdown in the fourth. So, Xavier reading between the lines, Nick, no respect for Kentucky, at as, usual. As, usual. At yeah. as usual, as usual, at all, as usual, as usual. Yeah, Georgia's gonna walk right over Kentucky without issue. So, <laughs> I mean, no, obviously, uh, being hyperbolic here, but uh. I don't know. i That's why I don't like this game. Is because I don't know what Kentucky has, and Georgia seems to be sleepwalking. I just don't have. I don't have big confidence. So but
2: from yeah, for me, and this is why I, I definitely at some point that Georgia def, that Georgia offense is just going to click, and and it's not even from a space of like me being a Georgia fan. If you go back and watch the Auburn game, ton of missed opportunities. There's uh, an Oscar Delt wide open touchdown that was missed. Dejon Edwards slips on what probably was the 45, 50 yard, uh, you know, score. Oscar Delt fumbles in the third quarter. We throw a, we, we throw a pick at the beginning of the game, right after the Oscar Delt missed touchdown pass, he throws a pick on that play. So like at some point, Carson Beck's going to turn just a little bit of the corner. He doesn't have to go all the way around, but like, you know, he turns the corner and stops at a yield sign. Like, All he has to do is get that much better. And I think this offense goes from right now good and then can turn it over into very good. Like that's where I think we, that's where I think, you know, and also on top of that, people forget that it's Bobo's first year with these guys. I understand Bobo's been in Georgia OC before, but that was Aaron Murray, Tavares King, like years Mm -hmm. ago. So I think it's important to note that I think Bobo is also kind of figuring out this roster to an extent. And to what Nick said, it hasn't been a roster that's been particularly healthy to this point. So he's kind of had to make do with what he's had, right? Obviously, we understand that David Bell, David Bell might be the third, second best receiver on this team, but he's had to play running back. So it's like one of those situations where you just not don't necessarily know what all you have yet. Um, and, and I think as we get healthier, that'll change. Um, I think the other piece to this as well is I think Carson Beck last week proved a lot of people, proved, proved himself a lot. I mean, he went on the road in one of the most hostile environments in the country, and flat out, you know, won a game. Right? Like, let's not, let's not, you know, cut it, you know, to let's not, you know, uh, mince words here. Obviously, Brock Bowers deal with what he did, but those throws were extremely impactful. I think he converted a third and twelve, converted a third and ten, all in the same touchdown drive. Like, this was a guy found Ladd McConkie when he needed to, found Brock Bowers when he needed to. And I, so I think he's turning a corner as well. So I really think that either one or two things are going to happen, and it's going to be on either extreme. Either Georgia pounds Kentucky into the ground, and this is like, oh, there goes the number one team in the country. Or to what you said, they sleepwalk again, and we're looking at a game that finishes like 21-14, right? Or, you know, 21-17, where Georgia puts to, puts, puts together a touchdown drive with like you know, four minutes to go in the fourth quarter, the defense gets a stop, and then they go home. The, the last piece I will say to this is on Kentucky's side. Matchups do make fights, and if Devin Leary plays anywhere like he's been playing all season, this should be a blowout. I don't think that they're going to be running the football for 300 yards on Georgia's defense. Now, correct me if I'm – you know, now last week Auburn had a, did really well running the football, but they also did it with quarterback play. I mean, they almost essentially benched Peyton Thorne last week just because the quarterback run was working that well. Um, so I think you really look at a team – in Georgia, that'll be hyper focused after last week on stopping the run. Understanding that Devin Leary has had what one game over one game at 300 yards, I think, up to this point. Um, you know, yep, one game for
1: like 82 last
2: week, 82 for 69 last week. <laughs> Um, and he threw for three hundred and fifteen against Akron, so that's the only game he's gone to over three hundred yards. In um, and, and SEC play, he's in SEC play combined. He has yet to throw for three hundred yards, and that's against Vandy in Florida. So I think George is going to go. Okay, cool. Devin Leary beat us, and we'll see if he can do it. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. I believe this game is on the road. I couldn't remember off top. Uh, uh, no, it's Kentucky and Georgia. Oh. That, that, that's okay. So that's going to be a little bit of a boost in Georgia's favor, in my opinion, as well, uh, because that fan base is kind of pissed off at the moment uh, because somebody said that, you know, Georgia's home field advantage isn't all that great. So they're going to be continue to be pissed off all year. So we might see a couple of early fall starts that really set Kentucky back. And if they can get that going, then obviously, yeah, Georgia should roll this week. I'm just not confident in saying that right now with the performances that they've put together. But let me get Georgia this week, um, of course.
0: Who said. Who was it that said that I think, Georgia? I think somebody said. Was I it think, like a talking head think, person, or was no. it uh, someone on Kentucky?
2: No, not Kentucky. I think it was. Was it Rattler? Somebody said before the before the South Carolina game that he was like, "I don't see Georgia." Somebody said that they don't see Georgia as one of the tougher places to play in the SEC, um, and they cool. started rolling off late names like Auburn and Tennessee, and so um, and Kirby made a made a mark to say it in his press conference that week in particular, where he was like. I think our I think our home field advantage is amazing. Uh, yeah, so yeah. I, it was I, it was during South Carolina week. There, it was. Yeah, yeah. He, it was South Carolina week that he said that. Um, it was Spencer so Rattler.
0: Yeah,
2: I'm trying to figure out who it was, but yeah. Oh, South Carolina's Tonka Hemingway. I be, uh, said did not classify Stanford Stadium as one of the toughest road environments when speaking to reporters um, at SEC Media Days. There you go.
0: Yep. Okay. Hmm. I mean kind of a stupid thing to say, <laughs> but I mean sure whatever I mean travel around the country compare any SEC stadium against most other conferences and it's an intimidating place to play but all right whatever you say hemingway uh, <laughs> yeah I guess so uh but all right that will wrap it up for us this week um uh, remember you can follow us all on twitter at you're Tampa gonna go, go ahead Tampa and, and do your Tampa. magic
1: editing like you know we were hyping that game coming in. Oh, the- yeah,
0: that'll be the yeah. first one up. Yeah, it definitely won't be at the end. But, uh, no, no, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. So uh, now nah, we'll, we'll leave it at the end. This is uh, uh, you know, look, just we all know Nick has no respect for Kentucky, and that's why that game was not on here. It was a ranked on rank matchup. Nick hates in, Kentucky, thinks Georgia's going to roll him by 40. And that's why we didn't get to it. it definitely obviously, prioritized there.
1: Syracuse, North Carolina, which two weeks in a row, I've had the Syracuse game on here, <laughs> questionably. Hey, hey. <laughs> and then this week. But- he <laughs> likes Syracuse. He wants to see Syracuse. I
0: was going to say, a,
2: yeah. had to make
0: a choice. Was it going to be Fresno of State, of Wyoming, or was it going to be Bigger Kentucky's disrespect, or, yeah. uh, Xavier Hemingway, to, uh, to Georgia home <laughs> crowd, or Nick to Kentucky by not putting them on I mean, uh, the show but, sheet here. That got to be so,
2: Kentucky. This is multiple years in a row. He's just absolutely crapped on Kentucky as a whole. So I think, you know, Kentucky by landslide.
0: All right, well, yeah. let's I, see I the big blue wall. I know you guys are wall. joking. not true (laughs) he's got to make his point so uh follow us all on twitter at campus the number two canton at bogman sports for myself at cfb winning edge for nick and at xavier underscore trish t-r-i-c-h-e for xavier we will see you guys next week take it easy everybody